This podcast is produced by Unedited. I never gave myself the name Lady of Soul. If you don't deal with trauma, it may destruct one of the best relationships or one of the best jobs you've ever had. My first boyfriend was basically the devil wrapped in skin. And I looked at it and I thought, what's that? So at 21, I clocked, I don't have a mum. It's just about learning, like, what is normal? Hey, it's your girl, Anika. Welcome to another episode of the Black Magic Podcast. This is a series where we celebrate British black women, where you get to hear about their stories, their successes and challenges. Some you may have heard of, some you may not, but this is where you get the lowdown. Later on in the episode, we're going to be hearing from Jenny Francis. That's right, the lady of soul, who you might remember from Choice FM. And she recently featured on Storms' album, Gang Signs and Prayers. But right now, I have in the studio Jenny Steele, who's a domestic violence practitioner, and Penny Bell, who's a youth mentor and head of gospel at The Colour Network. So hey ladies, how are you doing? How's your day been? Day's been good. It's been long, but it's good. And that was Jenny Steele. So Jenny, tell us about you, who you are, what it is you do. Oh my God, who is Jenny? Jenny does quite a bit, but I suppose my focus, I mean, obviously um, for me, entertainment, the entertainment industry was my foothold mm. um, and I've been in that a long time. But on the side of that, I say I've been building uh, my legacy around mm. healthy relationships and early intervention with domestic violence and just making young people a bit more aware of what's healthy and what's unhealthy and I've spent probably the last 10 years doing that alongside my career. Nice well I'm going to question you a bit more on that Mm. in a bit but also I have Penny in the studio so Penny tell me a bit about you and what you do. I'm so on a day-to-day I'm I work in sales for Total Jobs which is a job board but I also I'm a mentor so I do mentoring for children leaving foster care for the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea and also um, providing soft skills to young people for a charity called Bettering Education. So yeah, I do mentoring and the head of the Gospel Corner for the Colour Network. So black, black. Yeah, I get to spend lots of time with amazing gospel artists and yeah, love that. Amazing. So I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about both of your journeys. I'm starting with you, Jenny. So healthy relationships, why a focus on healthy relationships? And what, um, what is a feature of a healthy relationship? I would say my focus, so as a teenager, I was in an unhealthy relationship mm. and I didn't have any support systems um, as a young person. They were all adult led. Okay. Um, over the years, once I'd become a mother... Um, and got myself into the entertainment industry, a few conversations were taking place around abusive relationships and I just unleashed what I'd been through. Now, most of the people that have grown up around me knew, but obviously when you go into an industry, not everyone knows what Mm. you've been through. So it just became kind of a debate and then I realised that someone needed to voice something. Mm. But I suppose on Digging Deeper, I realised that young people aren't aware of healthy relationship signs and what's unhealthy and when I say that I just mean like being aware of jealous behaviour being Mm. aware of controlling behaviour being aware of threatening abusive behaviour and how to take it serious Wow and I can imagine a lot of people younger or older going through that with um, with a partner I mean have you ever experienced anything like that in a relationship Penny? Oh my first boyfriend was basically the devil wrapped in skin oh wow um, that's, 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 that's serious <laughs> yeah no even no, he was awful he was he was the yeah. devil wrapped yeah. in skin yeah wow. and you know like not to you know talk down on him as a person now but that was literally the form he took in my life at the time I was 14 when I met him and um, it was my first boyfriend mm. and 
yeah, it was just what Jenny's just explained. Um, when you haven't experienced love, and, and I was actually in um, foster care when I met him. It was a very confusing time, but all of his um, obsessive and controlling behaviour, I kind of mis- mistook for love. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I, I very much identify with with one of those kind of relationships. So how did, I mean, how long were you with that person and how did you end up eventually leaving? Because I think that if you're in a relationship with a guy like that, he wouldn't want you to leave. He won't allow you to leave. Yeah, exactly, um, I was, yeah. I, it was my whole, my whole teenage years. So I met him when I was 14 and I got away when I was 21. So it was a long time. Yeah, long and time. I only really, um, I, did, I, I didn't have the courage to properly leave him, but um, he went to prison for something uh, not related to um, me. And yeah, that was the way that I got. So that was your escape. Yeah. yeah. He got locked up and you, you, you escaped the prison sentence with him, I Do guess. You know what? You'd say that, but I think the prison sentence, so you would say that that was a prison sentence being with him and it was, but I didn't know. Yeah. So I knew that I didn't have a life like my friends. I didn't have friends. I didn't have, um, I weren't allowed to have male friends and stuff like that. And I weren't allowed to go places in case it caused him to be suspicious about things that I was never doing. And it would cause an argument, which would then mm-hmm. cause, lead to a fight. But also I think the the prison started for me when I, when I got away from him mm. because I when I was 15 my my mum died and I never got to grieve her because I was always worrying about him so mm. I was more concerned with my safety and uh, proving to him that I was a good girl rather than um, actually dealing with the fact that I was never going to see my mum again and, and stuff like that so at 21 I kind of clocked I don't have a mum yeah. and also I've just been part of a very serious domestic situation. I didn't know I was a victim. I didn't <clears throat> I didn't get advice because I couldn't tell anyone. So for me I think as much as I um as much as I could I could have started a healing process then, it it that's when the hard stuff started. That so for me that was the beginning of a very hard time getting away from him. I mean you said it happened to you when you were when you were young as well. So yeah. How did you manage to get away? It's the same thing, that first uh, loving relationship, which is the work that I do in school starts Mm. from 11 years old. Because you know, once you fall in love, Mm. no one can't tell you anything. So, you know, you're quite blinded. And and we do hear that as a a quote. So for me, I was 15 um, and it's very much similar and the same, only I was badly injured. Oh, wow. So I woke up to police and my next door neighbour had called the police. And so I had my own place. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those things as well. Like when you're young and independent, these guys, they, you know, they're really charming and, mm. and they form really good bond with you. And you end up not having a lot of friends. You end up not going out. You end up worrying about what you're wearing, all of those things. But if you turn it around to a young girl you're just thinking, oh my God, he really likes me. Oh my God, he really loves me. He cares about mm. what I'm wearing. He cares about the friends that I have. So we don't, we mistake those signs. But I knew that the conversation I had with the nurse that I had, I knew I couldn't go back. Yeah. But I think as Penny said, I think for a lot of people, once you do leave, you have a lot to deal with. Mm. And for some people, staying makes it easier to deal with because when you leave you're questioning yourself you're questioning the people around you what could I have done different how could I have done this could I have helped him I think the other thing I can only speak for myself but in a way you kind of think that if you stay you're helping them 
but when you break it down and you get older actually you're protecting them from yeah. the secret so you know starting young is that's the key element because once you start dating you will mistake those signs yeah. and it's really important for us to understand those signs especially if you've never grown up in a household where you've seen kind of love or how you know men and women or definitely just a loving couple kind of regardless definitely. of the sex as and if parents are not other. talking about relationships what kind mm. of relationships you should be having and, and how your boyfriend should be with you or how your mm. girlfriend should be with you it's not talked about yeah. so you don't know so you find yourself in a position years later that you didn't even know you was in crazy I always remember when I was um like 15 16 and my first boyfriend he was a lot older than me he was like eight years older than yeah. me but he luckily he wasn't kind of I don't think he I, he wasn't controlling but I'm the kind of person I, I was always quite independent yeah I remember being um out with him and um we're in a club and um I shouldn't have been in a club but I was in a club <laughs> and I went and started dancing on the stage and I remember him saying oh my god get down there um people are gonna think I can't control my woman and I thought Hold on, though. Mm, you can't man. control me. <laughs> what, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think, um, I mean, like, what signs should people watch for if they're like, if they're kind of to try and avoid guys like this? I think I don't actually think there's a specific because it doesn't start off like that. Mm. And, I, and I think because you yeah. do love them. Genuine. And also, they don't start off like that. Yeah. They don't start off very normal. controlling. It starts off very normal, very mm. uh, honeymoon relationship. But I just think that if you fear, if you have that fear about saying something or doing something or wearing something, mm. then you need to think about where that fear is coming from. Yeah. And it's not okay for someone to be harassing you and disrespecting you all the time. And I think isolation for yeah. people looking in. If you see a friend that's kind of gone within themselves, they're not coming out. Um, you don't see them. Mm. They've changed the way they dress. All of these things. It's little things that we need to look at from the outside in, not just for them. Definitely. But we need to be able to look in for those signs. And I was saying to Penny before that the young girls now, you know, getting 50 text messages in mm. like one hour is normal. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good thing. He loves me. He wants to he wants to know where I am and what I'm doing. Exactly. Mm. So I think also it's just about learning like what is normal. Mm. One, two, maybe three, five. Like if someone's rung your phone and they keep ringing it and then the messages, where are you? Mm. All of those things are going to make you feel a certain way. Exactly. They're red flags to me. I remember when a guy did that to me. I was like, red flag, nah, block. Yep. <laughs> One yep. time. Yep. So I think we, you know, I think we have to be really open with our young people. They haven't felt love before. Um, and, you know, love is supposed to be a nice thing. You're mm. supposed to feel good. Um, if you're with someone that, and they care about you, you should be able to see that they care about you. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be you're under pressure. Leave your friends, you're mm. under pressure not to go out. You know, you need a social life, even if you're in a relationship. Yeah, definitely. You need to be doing your own you thing. You need to be doing your own thing. Doing something with your partner is great, but just remember that you do need to be spending time with your friends because it's actually quite nice to do that. Mm. I mean, Penny, once you um, made that break and he was in prison and you were by yourself, you say that's when the kind of prison started for you. So what did you mean by that? I think I... Uh, 
I looked around me. I got to spend time with people that I maybe avoided before. And it could have been I was not avoiding them, but just I didn't want to ever be in a situation that he would question. Mm. And I didn't want to ever be in a situation that would cause like alarms to go off in his head that might make him because there were times where I think he he had his own issues. You know, Mm. he came from his own background. He didn't know women well. He didn't respect women well. Um, And I think women might have hurt him in his past and stuff, which made him just have like, a, a, just a suspicious nature about us. Yeah. So when we um, got together and we got close, I, he he was probably overwhelmed with how close we got because I was vulnerable, but also as a I was a loving child, and then going through the stuff I did, I I had. Uh, an opportunity to go really cold Mm. but I met him so I transferred all the love over to him he was probably overwhelmed by it a bit and then just got you know his back up so when I then was around people and I saw normal relationships and I got to see people with their boyfriends and and their boyfriends kind of giving them freedom and Mm. and their boyfriends not over questioning them and them able to just be, be loving and, and just have a loving relationship with him and he's not their boss and he's not they're not like answering the phone shaking like I used to or if I saw missed calls I used to have panic attacks mm. like when I saw all that I then evaluated my situation and started getting scared again so I started getting scared that he wouldn't be um, sentenced because mm. he was on remand so I thought at any point he was going to come back and start controlling my start controlling my life because I'd found a little bit of freedom. Mm. Um, so then I I fell into a trap of blocking it out with um, drink and drugs, wow. um, which worked for me. Mm. Um, I did I did when I was um, with him. So while I was with him at fifteen, when my mum had died, I gave my life to God just in a desperate plea. Uh, one day trying to be the best I can try to seek God for refuge but it, it you know I got introduced to something that worked quicker and um, I was able to enjoy myself without the fear of you know I, he always made me feel like he had people watching me mm. so I couldn't you know he'd phone me and cause arguments from prison and yeah. say that he had people watching me send people to my house to um, check on me and see who I was with and it, I was just petrified. I I, I didn't continue at uni because I, I thought people were there watching me. I couldn't relax. So when I used to, you know, get off my tits, I used to, when I used to drink or whatever, I used to not, I used to, you know, so-called enjoy myself without the fear of him and the fear of my future. Yeah. So it became a habit. Drink um, and drugs would take that fear away and make you feel a bit kind of free. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. And no, I, I just didn't care. I, yeah. I, I had no fear. I had no fear, but at the back of my mind, my biggest fear was him coming back. And mm. I I acted like a victim, even though he wasn't anywhere. Mm. And yeah, so it was, it, this went on for years. This went on until about three years ago. Wow. Yeah, so I'm 31 now. I was 21 when I got away from him and I was 28 when I got freed from him, really. Because he didn't, he wasn't holding me yeah. and he actually wasn't, trying to come back and harass me he was you know changing in prison he was actually changing himself and realizing stuff but I just didn't know that and I didn't want to hear so I was out here just just pooing myself every day (laughs) just so scared and like worried that he's going to come back so I couldn't develop relationships properly with other guys because I thought he'd come out and just kidnap me back Mm. 
It's lucky you went for a lot. There's a lot. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot to digest, it and we will mad. be. I'm going to come back to some of the points yeah, yeah, that yeah. you um, that you made. There. I do jump from point to point because I, you know, it's all in my head. But then different tabs open, so I'm like, oh, let's focus on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so if I do that, it seems you have a lot to lot to remember, and yeah. you've been mm. you've been and a lot to a release lot. as well. A lot to release. I should have yeah. bullet pointed it, yeah. but you don't. don't <laughs> no paper big enough. Just just say what's in your heart, girl. Jenny, you um you went through a similar thing, but then how you know she, Penny talks about being in prison, but how did you feel kind of after it, kind of getting away? And I mean, you've got children, and so you know, did they kind of witness? No, any it of- wasn't their father. Yeah. Um. So for me, I started a new relationship years on, mm. and a great relationship. I have three fantastic children with him, mm. but I think, I suppose at that time getting through what I had to get through without support systems, I just had to be strong for myself. Mm. And I think that's when I started to just believe that there is a lot more to come from my life. I had my children, I think I was like, what, 26? And I had all my three children, so they were like five and under. Mm. And I just made a conscious decision that I wanted to do greater things. I didn't just want to be a mum, which is when I started to get into the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, and then I split with their dad because I just wanted this different life. Um, and we have remained fantastic friends. He's a great guy, a great father. But I think I've always been aware of relationships, signs. You never forget those things so they will always play out on your head yeah um i think i'm quite fortunate to not have played out the same similar relationships over and over again Mm. which with a lot of my clients i find that which is where the support counseling the support comes in it's got to come in you know that's trauma yeah and it sits on you and it could take one thing to click and that whole trauma comes back so for anyone who's listening i would just say as well that if you haven't had counseling for it go and get the counselling it shouldn't make you feel any way shape or form people get counselling for the small. that's what I was going to say people um, particularly in the black community when you kind of think about when you say therapy or counselling yeah. and yeah. things you know listen when you go to America mm. you will feel silly that you ain't got a therapist because everyone be <laughs> sitting around the table saying well my therapist <laughs> is there and that. so you know you'll be looking at them but they do therapy for finances in relationships before they get married. They're doing relationship mm. counselling. So we need to really push that out that, you know what, counselling is a support yeah. service. It's confidential. They're not going to tell you what to do. It's non-judgmental. And you will actually feel good to be able to go in there. You can say anything to them. You can mm. swear, shout, cry, laugh um, and just see it through because mm. I know a lot of people that are supposed to have eight weeks counselling they only go for four. Mm. You know, it made them feel emotional or it That's made them feel a certain me. way but let me tell you, it needs to make you laugh, cry, be emotional, strip back to your childhood, out. you know, strip back through all of your life and just play it all out because you need to let all of that go. But then it's, I guess it's for some people getting past the stigma of having counselling or therapy yeah. and things. And, yeah. and you know, people think that people will judge them, if not the yeah. therapist, but their family yeah. and friends around them. But you know, because you can go and do it confidentially and mm. also you can have phone counselling. Mm. So you can do counselling on the phone in your house, no one even knows that you've done it apart from you. You've you've got to do counselling for yourself mm. and you've got to be ready to do it. But what I always say to people is that if you don't deal with trauma, yeah. it will keep playing out and playing out 
10, 20, 30 years in your life and it may destruct one of the best relationships or one of the best jobs you've ever had or relationships with your children, mm. it will destruct it. Yeah, because you don't know when it's going to manifest itself in in your life with what Definitely. you've experienced. Definitely, and how it's going to affect you and everyone around you. That's exactly right. So you I had counselling, Penny? I... Um, I was offered counselling a few times and I, I did go. I went to um, victim support, literally went to two of the sessions. I just could not bear to tell her. I was so scared that I, I even had a fear that she knew my ex and would tell him that mm. I'm talking about it. Mm. So I, I couldn't even talk to her. And then as a, a few years down the line, I um, was then advised to see counselling about my mum because I couldn't. I couldn't let. I, I felt like I couldn't let go of um, the fear of losing people. Now, yeah. so I wasn't able because your mum passed away. Yeah, and and I I was only in temporary foster care, so I didn't expect it. Mm. Um, so I had a. I couldn't connect. Like I couldn't, you know, connect with uh, deep relationships because I had a fear people would die. Mm. So I went counselling again, and I just I found I. It was a thing of not wanting to... T I would never have told anyone I was doing counselling. Mm. I wouldn't even tell anyone that I went through all that. I, mm. I, there's still people in my life that don't know. This is the first time mm. I've ever spoke about these things publicly. So if my voice sounds like I've got a rattlesnake in my throat, <laughs> it's because I do. <laughs> but I've told like people close to me no, but I've never actually publicly shared it because of shame as well. I've, mm. I felt like I'd, um, you know, having the foster care stamp on me, which... I didn't expect it, I was 13 I wasn't like a young foster child I was 13 when um, we got evicted and I had to go into foster care so I was a big person I had my own I, I was probably judgmental too so I was scared of being judged in the way that I judged foster mm. children do you know mm. what I mean like ah, uh, and I hate I didn't ever want to be a ah uh, situation I wanted to be strong yeah. so I didn't talk about it because I didn't want to cry talking to a counsellor made me cry so I wasn't I wasn't willing and I couldn't talk to people I knew because no one knew the extent mm -hmm. and I didn't want to I didn't want people to feel sorry for me I was ashamed and I didn't want to be looked down on I wanted people to see me as valuable and I thought that to be valuable you had to be whole Yeah. Um. so I just didn't tell anyone about my cracks mm. so yeah you lot are first well my yeah. friends and my close people know and I do you know let little bits out but I've never yeah. never spoke about it but at least you are speaking about it now yeah. and they said that the release is I think I think it's good for people to talk people forget how much we just need that human connection and just yeah. need to kind of let out our feelings because the more we hold it in the more that one day it will erupt exactly. and it's like I could feel it does some yeah. days like I do fortunately I haven't been in like a big situation where it has but I've felt mm. inside um, like as I go through a healing process, I do feel, wow, this has affected me more. I'm suppressing mm -hmm. it. And I always feel like, you know what? God allowed this to happen because he's going to use it. He's going to allow me to help other people that have gone through it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be fine. But really, for me to be able to help people, I have to be healed from it. And yeah. when you go through healing, the thing rises and it mm -hmm. comes out and then you yeah. feel it all over again. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been avoiding that for years. Mm -hmm. So... No time like the present. I think you'd be surprised how many people have had it as an experience. Mm. And I think the more you share, the more you will realise that yeah. a lot more people than you think um, in our industry, a lot more people than you think have been through it. Yeah, um, And I think definitely. once you know that actually a lot more other people it's just like you know the conversations around mental health a lot mm. more people are coming out now and saying you know what I've been depressed I've been you know I suffer from anxiety and yeah. it should be normal conversation it should like, be we no should judgment. not feel bad mm. about saying things so that true. we went through 
um, because now the the next generation of young people they're under ten times the amount of pressure that we was on. Mm. You know, social media is out there now, and it's harder for them to hide things. So we have to start having these conversations so they don't feel that they have to hide it. No, definitely, I fully agree. Be open, just you know, don't be afraid. Yeah. Because if we're afraid as adults, imagine how they're mm. you know, imagine how they are, and we didn't grow up on all of the social media and the phone life and the apps and everything else that they've got to deal with on top of yeah, issues. just daily life and yeah. personal issues and yeah. things. It's so yeah. true. And I know now that there's no shame attached. Mm. Like to all of these things, it was never, well, I didn't sign up for it. It wasn't my portion. And there's no shame attached. Like I do know that. It's just stepping out and acting out what you know. Mm. And yeah, and I think it just takes, I think it just takes for you to, to realise that it's over yeah. and it's never going to happen again. And yeah. There are going to be people that you're gonna you're gonna save them from going through it by mm-hmm. telling them the raw, honest truth about what you went through and just how bad it was. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like you were saying about like being injured and stuff, you know, in a wild argument, my ex stabbed me, and what? I had to pretend that I'd like fallen over and mm-hmm. landed on a spike. Mm-hmm. So I was living lies, and I even so you see so st- stabbed you up with a knife. Yeah. Wow. Like did so you did you end? I'm assuming you ended up in hospital. Did you st- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't walk for weeks as well. Like, what? but I, but, but I, it got so like the the lies and stuff surrounding it. Yeah, um, I believed. So like, I, I'd made up a lie that I was drunk, fell over a fence, and you know the spikes. Yeah, juked me through my thigh, and obviously there were some people that knew I was obviously mm. lying. But mm-hmm. it got so serious this lie that every time I saw a fence that I had to climb over because I was quite a climby young person and this happened when I was 18 so yeah. I was still young every time I saw a fence oh I don't want to climb over that and get another joke no mm-hmm. you never ever climb no, John. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's not how it happened yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like I'm not climbing over that because the last time I couldn't walk yeah. it was like I was I was protecting him mm. so much because you there is such a strong love attached and mm. you do feel like like Jenny yeah, said that it, it seems Bonnie it and seems Clyde you know by Bonnie, Steve, and Clyde, yeah. Bonnie and Clyde that scenario. Bonnie and Clyde kind of love you want to like, ride, ride or die ride or die literally I am your protector. You are mine. You're going to protect me from the world and I'm going to protect you from everyone. Um, and that is, it is literally Bonnie and Clyde. And you saw what Bonnie and Clyde got up mm. to. And it's like, and it's it seems like, because from both of your separate experience, that there's a pattern in the behaviour yeah. of, of men Definitely. that kind of all people that um, are, doing, are doing this kind of Definitely. thing in relationships. Definitely. Definitely. And I suppose, as Penny said, like, we need to, I, I find we need to, as women, Mm. be talking more openly about this and what we're going through and, and how we can help and support our friends to come out of this Definitely. because it is it's easy to hide as you've heard Penny say and I know it was mm. easy for me to hide so it's very easy for our mm. closest friends to be hiding stuff from us mm. and also I guess if you're a friend I mean if did any of your friends ask you at the time what was going on my friends, um, my friends were too young yeah, I think they were too young, and and because healthy relationships, domestic violence, it was an adult thing. Mm. You know, your mum's friends went through this, or your grandparents' friends went through this. This wasn't for young people. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things, and why I wanted to create these services is because it's still not there. Yeah, yeah young people true. are still not being supported enough. It the, ad, the services are very adult led. Mm. Schools aren't doing much because they don't have no money. The government isn't doing much. I think I had a meeting today with someone from the Home Office, and I was just couldn't even believe. I was like, "Where is Teen DV?" Yeah, and they were like, "It isn't." That's why you're coming in to yeah. do a presentation. So for me, as Penny said, I feel like God gave me a second chance, and if I wasted it or not, 
living out this legacy, I think I would have regret it mm. as I get older. Um, I'm actually so glad, so proud of myself to actually be still on this journey when it wasn't in fashion. No one was talking about it. I was talking about it and I've stayed on it. And it's really nice to now see people joining me. Mm. Just come speak about your truth. There's no shame around this. We Why? Why? It's not us. We didn't do anything. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it's important for us to do as much as we can so that somewhere along the line, we're never going to stop all of it. But if we can raise the awareness and make young people aware so they can see it before it's happening, yeah. it gives them a choice to say, yeah, I'm going into this or actually, no, this is scary. I need to tell someone. And to back off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know young people today are going for a lot you see kind of you know you hear a lot about kind of you know whether it's the rape or whether it's yeah. um, sexual kind of assault sexual and rape ass- exactly. exactly that's up and then also the kind of things that girls think they have to do yep. to keep an attention of a guy yep. so you know like and doing yep. things before before their Nude time photos Nude fo- yeah. the, the online videos um, social media has a lot to do with a lot of things and I think you know if everyone else looks like they're doing it and you're not doing it, you're going to be left out. As a parent, how have you um, managed to kind of teach your children about kind of healthy relationships? I think for me, my children knew quite early on um, Mm. because it was important because I was going public with it. So it's important for them to know and feel and to be fair, them, between them and their friends. So obviously they're 21, 22, 25. They're big grown adults now, but their friends have always been in respect of it. Mm. And they've always felt that they can come and talk to me. It changes the way you raise your children. So my sons, I have two sons and a daughter. My daughter's in the middle. There would be no arguing between them, no Mm. fighting between them. You need to respect your sister and your sister needs to respect you. So I did raise them differently. And I think one of the greatest things that's come out of that is that when my daughter got her first boyfriend, Mm. um, her brothers were like, we don't want you to have a boyfriend and all of this stuff. (laughs) And I yeah, very protective. And I had to sit them down and say, listen, if something happens to her, Mm. You will never know unless you friend up that boyfriend. Mm. So you lot need to become friends with him. Yeah. And they do. Not his enemy. They've become <laughs> friends. Can't be the enemy because if some, there'll be signs that you now see because you've sat down with him, you've played PlayStation with him, you've had mm. conversations, you've seen your sister around him. We need to build those bonds. We need to be showing our children, listen, if your brothers and sisters deal with them differently, watch stuff, but just stay connected. Mm. Stay connected. So that was probably one of the most important things for me is to make sure that they know, can't disrespect your sister. Don't ever disrespect me because it's seen in the same tone. Yeah. Um, and I'm really proud of them, to be honest. Really, really proud of them. And they'll take all that forward when they're in relationships Well, now they're in well. long-term relationships. Um, and yeah. I can actually see that actually I've raised some fantastic sons because mm. the way they look after their girlfriends in their life is just like, <laughs> I need a man like this. <laughs> so you know what? I think also, I suppose, as... as Mums, we need to change the way we raise our sons. Yeah. Because what way? Gonna lie. some of the men right now, <laughs> some of the men right now have been too spoiled. Okay. They've mm. been spoiled. They can't cook. They can't. You're talking about men my age group, 40 mm. up. Michelle Obama said something about that recently about kind of, um, um, you know, like women kind of mothering their sons yeah, and babies. Yeah, I think our generation of men, the ones that are like maybe late 30s, early 40s they were spoiled Mm. didn't learn to wash cook clean so now us as women are having to run around after them so I think for me one of the things I would have done with my sons is make sure they can cook wash clean now to look after yourself yeah because then you'll know 
a good woman when she comes. Exactly. We're not here to be no one's mother. No, yeah, so. you know, we're not we're not supposed <laughs> to be doing that. So yeah, there is a generation of spoiled men. Sorry, fellas, if you're locked in, but it's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. So you need to change up, you fix need up, to change look up, fix up, go do some cookery classes. Yeah. There's loads on Groupon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but you, you know, know we're in the world now as this, as you know parents generation was different because you know the man would be the yeah, breadwinner bread and yeah. you know a wife would or the girlfriend partner never would be at home yeah. looking after the and kids it and it worked yeah so that's that that was then but yeah. now we're all, everybody's out working yeah. times have changed. so times have changed so yeah. actually everybody needs to be doing be both do- yeah definitely right. definitely that's a you know i do know that you know i know some really good uh, stay-at-home dads and I'm mm. really impressed by them nice. like you know waking <laughs> up and feeding the kids and taking them to school whilst mum's out mm. but you know as you said we need to change with the times and I'm sorry those times are gone yeah guys need to be able to wash cook and clean change bed sheets all of those things so mums with your young sons teach them, teach them well <laughs> I mean you're proud of the way you've raised your children and one of your is one of your sons a footballer Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, so how, like, I guess being a football mum, how is that? How oh, is that a, like? You know what? Being a football mum, it's different. I love football. Mm. Um, so my older son plays uh, semi-pro and my young son is a professional, so he's playing Premier League at the moment. Nice. Um, I suppose what other people don't know, because... Penny um, has shared something for the first time. I think it, it makes sense for me to do so so you don't feel like it's just you. So for me, um, this year I became a football agent oh. to my son. Oh, amazing. Um, so the, in the last couple of months. There's not very many so female football, football agents out yeah, there. Yeah, I've well, taken that's my world. to another level. <laughs> um, but I think it's something that is needed. Why did you take that on? I just wasn't happy with the way agents work. Football's been my life for a long time. Mm. Um, in the last five years, that is when my son's life changed and he got a professional contract and then he got um, signed to Chelsea and then he went out on loan. And there's been so much experiences for us and we moved from South London as a family to support that football mm. because I didn't want my son to be coming home and not be around his family because yeah. we're tight. Um, so we made some important decisions and changes in our life. And I think over the last few years, I just see that mum, most mums are on their own in mm. the home with their sons. Yeah. And you've seen a lot of uh, the black boys now from estates and growing up, they're getting into football. They are playing at a fantastic high level. Yeah. But mums are still struggling. But yet mum's the one who's there. Mum's the one who's there when they come home. Mum's the one who's there on the sidelines. So why is mum still struggling? Mm, Mum was the one that paid for you to learn to go football. Mum was there in the cold. Like my sister, sister every Sunday, she's there in the cold cheering her son on. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? All of those things. And we're the ones that deal with the aftermath. Mm. So I think for me, I wasn't happy. And I wanted to make sure that my son has a legacy. Like they only have 15, 20 years in football. Mm. And we've all seen like the older footballers broke. Yeah. Bankrupt. No one was there teaching them finances. And I think, you know, it's no shame to say in the black community, we don't know wealth. Yeah. And we don't know finances. We don't know how to manage. We don't know how to grow it. Um, So I think for me, it's about teaching my son about wealth, growth. He does a lot of community projects. Um, He has uh, Casey Palmer Foundation where we donate football boots back 
to grassroots. Amazing. Um, and I just try to make him do as much as possible early on. Some people say, don't you think it's too early? I'm like, no. Because mm. boys that are 5, 10, 15 are watching these boys. So they need to make an impact early. And we need to teach them to give back. Definitely. That's definitely. where you're from. Mm. You know, anything happens to you, everyone in that area is going to be looking and watching and rooting for you. So you need to go back and, and deliver something. And if more of the kind of established footballers had taken that um, taken that route, yeah. then, you know, I'm sure that and put more money into their community yes. or give back, I think a lot of things would be different. Definitely, definitely. And we're starting to see now, you know, that they're broke or they went through certain things and they went through certain things probably because their mums wasn't supported mm. and maybe their dads wasn't there so let's try and turn that around a little bit and make sure that mum gets all the support yeah that she needs to see this through for her son or daughter oh. Sounds like, um, I feel like there's another business coming on for you there, like, or a network, you know, like a network for fem- female agents and mum mums of footballers. Yeah, something like that. It, it's on the cards, I think. Mum to agent uh, training. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> definitely. It's definitely there. But, you know, it's, um, it's new to me. It's something I've been in. I've been involved in football for a long time. So mm. why not just take it on and become responsible? Yeah, amazing. I mean, and they're lucky to have a mum to support them. And I guess, Penny, one of the things that... Um, you guys didn't have growing up is your mum there to be able to kind of support and guide you and things and I'm so sorry to hear that she passed away was she sick is that no no um she died of a heroin overdose so um she yeah she had a fit um when she'd taken heroin but the great thing is behind it so nothing about it was great but before before she actually died I was in I mentioned that I was in um, foster care until she got better because she Mm. was um, having a very um, downward spiral of her life at that time so like she was drinking taking drugs and such which led to us being evicted and then I went into temporary foster care but my um, foster carer who is now just my angel it was she was you're still in touch still in touch touch. she's like your mum so I have had I have been lucky enough to have an angel like her who was literally gifted to me, who Mm. the minute that we found out my mum had died, she adopted me straight away. Even though I was a big you, (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was 15. She adopted me straight away. She, I never once felt like a, 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 and I I don't mean to say it like this, but how I imagined a foster child would be, Mm. I was never felt, I never felt like that. Mm, She is my mum. Like she is like the best um, and I always had her and she always, yeah, we're like best friends as well now. Do you know what I mean? She's um, the best. So I did actually have motherly guidance, thank God. I didn't realise how much my foster mum loved me because mm. I didn't understand love. So I, I, I often probably, you know, went through things in my mind that I didn't have to so you know really wanting someone really wanting to achieve good so that someone could be proud of me but then thinking I don't you know my mum was a single parent so I don't have a mum anymore what's the point so I kind of just allowed myself to go off the rails because there was no one to do it for I didn't have that passion to do it for myself I didn't have hope for my future I didn't you know I didn't see like I think the reason it was probably easy for me to fall into an abusive relationship is because my mum was in abusive Mm -hmm. relationships and I saw that so although it was petrifying living around that I was kind of used to seeing men and women fighting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of um, 
yeah, just kind of a little bit, a little bit normal. But oh, I forgot where I was going. That's a, <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. That's okay. But um, but I mean, yeah, I did have the guide. Oh yeah, so I was I was kind of feeling like there was no point doing well if if no one was going to be proud of me and like you know I wouldn't be um, celebrated. But yeah, as I started opening up about feeling like that, I I just received even more love from my um, my new mum. So you know. I, I call her that because I just don't feel like calling her a foster mum justifies who she is to me. I did get that guidance, but it 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 does, you know, as an adult now as well, you do kind of think like, you know, when I see my nieces and nephews and they look like my mum and I just think, oh, she would love, she would love to see yeah. that. So you do, you know, yeah, I, there's obviously a lot you miss out yeah. on, but... That's blessed. awesome that you had, because guessing the foster care system, yeah. you know, you don't know who you're going to get, and exactly. so it's a blessing that you had such an amazing lady in your oh, life that's yeah. still in your life today. Yeah, and, that, and she that was the your first mom, so. experience I had, yeah. so I didn't have to be passed around. I didn't have to be, you know, my identity didn't get spread. Mm. My my new family were Jamaican, like my mom, so. Mm. I'd, I'd, it was just per, it was perfect. God knew what he was doing with this situation, yeah. Mm. So I identify with the loss mm. that, you know, people go through. But I also identify with um, kind of um, giving people in foster care hope that mm. it's not, yeah. you know, it's not as bad as it sounds sometimes. Yeah. And you mentioned that you do mentoring. So why, why is that important for you to do? Because I... So... Although I had the perfect family that I, um, you know, got gifted with, I also, you know, they were under kind of uh, watchful eye to make sure I was okay. Mm. So I had to lie a lot because I wasn't okay. So I had eating disorders and I had a, a horrible boyfriend and I was protecting him. So I had to lie so much. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Mm. So although I got guidance from my family that, that I allowed them to do there was stuff I needed that I wasn't opening up for them to do and I had like a million uh, a million social workers they never stayed so I never got to get close to them and I know that I can that there was a there was a figure missing in my life that I can be for Mm. other people so the reason I do mentoring now is because there are things I know now that if I knew then yeah. I would have been saved by from it's so many time. situations. So I do fostering. Um, I do foster. Oh, I will do fostering. So that was a prophecy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just speaking it into existence. You know, there's my prophecy. There. Mm-hmm. I do mentoring because I just, I just want to be what I didn't have. Mm. And I just want to be the answer to a, a need yeah. that I, I didn't have. So, yeah. It's, it's amazing how, you know, these things can happen to us in life and then take us on a particular path and journey. So you're, you're mentoring because you didn't have that when you um, were that age and it's what you needed. And Jenny, you're kind of, you're this qualified um, domestic violence practitioner and yeah. going to schools and all yeah. these different um, organisations and doing these things because of yeah. your experiences as Definitely. well. And so despite the kind of negative, you've turned it into yeah. a major positive. Yeah, and, definitely. And so that's wonderful. Definitely. I think, you know, as Penny said, it's about... Um, creating a solution Mm. to something that we know is happening and I think um, I've spoken to many people that have said you know sometimes it's just hearing from someone else that's been through that yeah or just knowing that someone else to talk to someone to know that you can just get angry and you can say how you feel because we know that if we had the opportunity to do all of those things 
things might have been different. Mm. I know that if someone would have come into my school, secondary school, and spoke about healthy relationships, some red flags would have been yeah. going off in my head and I would have been thinking, oh my Same. gosh, I need to go talk to someone. When mm. you were talking to me about it earlier, I was thinking, if somebody came to my school saying that, I would feel like, oh my God, they understand. Yeah. They know what I'm going through. I'm going to tell them. Yeah. Mm. Because I know they won't tell anyone, but I didn't. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't. Most didn't of my disclosures come when I go into schools. Yeah. Because they'll come later on through uh, social media. Mm. And that's why it's really important for me to go in. Um, so for the first two years of putting those projects together, I didn't get paid because everyone yeah. kept saying, oh, we don't need it. We don't need it. I was like, I'm coming in. Don't need to pay me because to be fair, what one going to produce once it's done, you will want me back. Yeah. That's how confident Completely. I was because I know how confident I would have been had someone just come into the school and made me feel like I can say you know, I can hear what she's saying. I can see these things or, I, oh my God, that sign, that sign happens to me all the time. Mm. So I, I know that, you know, creating that solution is mm. important. And it's fantastic you didn't allow um, money to be the motivator of it and to no. stop you from, from making no. it happen. I think I had a lot more things, you know, I had a lot more people trying to judge me over the years. I've had people try to shut me down. But for me, it's not about you. This is about me. And at mm. the end of the day, this is about saving a whole generation from going through such trauma depression, anxiety, eating disorders, all of these things are coming from traumatic experiences. Yeah. So if we can kind of wake them up and make them aware, we may actually stop some of those experiences from happening at an early age. Yeah. You know, some people carry that for years mm. and 30, 40, 50, they're trying to get rid of it. And actually, sometimes it's a lot harder to do later on. Yeah. So we need to prevent it. And it's not the kind of life we want people to have. You know, we want people no. to be happy. You know, we live too long in this world for you not to be happy. And if you're not happy, then you might not want to live at all. Trust and me. And we don't want that. And when you're meeting 11, 12 year olds and they're saying that they don't want to live, no one cares mm. about me. You know, I had 10 social workers and been through social services and my foster parents are doing this and saying that and I don't feel comfortable. We don't want to keep hearing those things. Mm. We need to start preventing some stuff. Definitely. I mean, Jenny, if you could go back and tell your younger self um, one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't be afraid to ask for help for mm. any situation in your life no matter how big or small you think it is mm. don't be afraid to ask for help and I think I guess one of the good things these days is that help is at our fingertips with the internet yeah, when you um, when you were younger and when you were 15 didn't have it, didn't have it you yeah. know you'd have to have to go to your local library or Definitely. try and speak to an adult and you weren't comfortable speaking to an adult Definitely. whereas now there are so much services and up opportunities out there for people to find the right organisations and people to speak to Definitely and as I said before like you don't even you know every school has a counsellor didn't mm. have it when I was at school mm. They didn't have that. It was not an option. Um, so you can see how times are changing. Yeah. Every school has a counsellor. You know, every school has like some sort of pastoral care or it's yeah. there and it's available. So if it's there and it's available, don't feel no way. If you're an adult and you work in a service, most big corporations have mental health services. They yeah. have a phone line that you can call. Don't be scared to use that line. It's there to help you. 
Yeah. I think school should all kind of like, they should make kids come into school and they should all have to start the day either like with a couple of minutes of meditation or mindfulness to kind of get get them started for the day or even at the end of the day or something, you know, affirmation. There's a few programs. My mum does that actually every morning she calls my niece and nephew and she goes through their affirmations with them. There's a few programs that are coming into schools and, you know, through Javenis that I work with, they have a program called Relax Kids and that is literally what it is. So, you know, we are here and we're starting to build mm. programs and we're starting to notice that young people need to hear affirmations and schools have affirmations and quotes everywhere that's good um, and I think that that's a fantastic thing every mm. time I go into a school they have quotes and powerful stuff that's just there in your face so things are changing um, and hear. you know a lot of people are doing great stuff and Every time and every day, someone new steps in and, mm-hmm. and produces something else. So, yeah. So, so, Penny, you've stepped in and you're moving forward with what <laughs> you're doing. So, what would you go back and tell your younger self? Um, I think I've, as this is the first time I'm talking about it, I think the reason I haven't is because of fear of what people think. Mm-hmm. And, and so, the biggest piece of advice I'd always give myself in every area of my life is. Do not be over-concerned with what other people think. One, you're probably wrong yeah. what you're thinking they think. Two, it's not your business. Yeah. And three, their thoughts don't do anything to contribute to how you're going to impact the world and the call that God no. has on your life. So mm-hmm. if someone does think that you're weak because your boyfriend used to beat you up, so what? Mm. So what? Exactly. And I didn't... like. I'm 31 now and... I feel like if I didn't have that fear years ago, I would have spoke more and I would have written written about it because I've I've written a journal since I was thirteen, and I always knew some of the things that I wrote. I'd read back and think, did I write write that? So it's obviously Holy Spirit led. Mm. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll like make a book one day. Mm. And then I realised as years went on and uni and stuff, okay, it's a blog. Mm. But I still didn't want to do a blog because I didn't want to expose myself to what I'd been through and people to look down on me. Mm. So there are probably so many young people that needed to hear the things I have to say. But my fear of what old people thought stopped me. So now that I'm over that, I just, yeah, I just want to spread that. If I could tattoo it on my head without Mm. looking... No, all it is is you're stronger. You're (laughs) stronger now. Yeah, definitely. And you're stronger now. process that I've... Nobody likes to feel, I guess, vulnerable or feel that people are going to... No, and I think, you know, if you're going to get involved in this work, and I was saying it to you before, you have to learn to take your emotions out Mm. because you will get emotionally embroiled into so much things. Like, I get contacted on Instagram... Twitter, I get emails. Um, every time I speak, I get disclosures, and you really have to be ready for that. Yeah, um, you know, you can't have that bad day, that bad moment when you go in and do a speaking engagement. It needs to be, you know, you need to be in the right frame of mind because people are going to come to you and they're going to need your support, help, Definitely. and assistance. And it's really important for you to have got over yours. Yeah, and to so be that you can give, from... yeah, so that you can give them the best help and support. That's why I commend you guys for doing this kind of work. And I've got a lot of friends around me that are social workers as well. And the things that I they tell me and they hear and what yeah. lots of young people are going through, and I'm just like, I can't do, I can't Steve, do that. I couldn't job. be a young it's, person now. Yeah. I just the the pressures are just the pressures are just too much I think that I sometimes think if I was in a relationship now that was even a smidge of how mine was before Mm. I'd explode I would Mm. never like I don't feel like how did I handle it yeah it's just it's so different now and we're so because of the internet and people speaking more about their feelings you're so aware of what's wrong you know, my ex used to call me and say where are you instead of hello yeah and now if someone calls me and says where are you I'm like 
Mm-hmm. Where am I? Yep. Why is that your business? Like, I get so protective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas, why are you asking only, me questions? Yeah, for? it's only because of like people being so open. Whereas before, I'd be like, um, um, you know what I mean? Mm. And nice. now it's probably a different level because kind of like you've got, you know, your Snapchat and Instagram. You can't hide you know, where you, you can't are. Hide where you can't hide. It's like, you know, the man's calling. He's like, where are you? Where are you? And you're thinking he's not looking. My man's like, pre, and he's like, yeah, yeah I saw your snap. Say, you're no. here. Who's that guy in the background? Yeah, he's don't even know the guy. This time it's a photo of a bomber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, who was yeah. that guy? He was blowing you a kiss. He was pouting. All he of was those things. Yeah, the pressure alone. is, yeah, the pressure is, the pressure is real too much and it and it really is real and young people don't go anywhere without their phones you know their mm. locations are on and all of these things. There's just too much ways to be contacted now which yeah. allows that pressure. No, uh, I'm thankful that um, I've never had that pressure. Yeah. I'm thankful for the time that I was the millennial that I am yeah. <laughs> rather than being what what do they call them now is it generation what are they generation I don't know the, the, no, no, make there is a name for, for it though they yeah, make all the names name up for, for, these, for, for these generations <laughs> and things I can never keep up but ladies it's been awesome having you on here Jenny if people want to know more about you or know how to get in touch with you and find out more about your work where can people go you can go uh, to my website which is www.jenny with an I steel dot net mm-hmm. um you can also find me on twitter at jenny with an i underscore lioness or on instagram as official jenny Steele. and if you want to contact me or speak to me everything is above board and confidential amazing and penny yeah um mainly instagram at mm. the moment so at penny bell and my twitter at penny bell underscore nine but yeah you'll get everything else from my instagram so it's just penny bell Amazing. Thank, thank you, you, ladies. Thanks thank for being you. here. Thanks thank for being so you. open and sharing. No, thank like, you for the been, opportunity. It's been awesome. And I'm, I know somebody is going to listen to this and be like, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to make changes to relationships, not for me. Yep. And they're going to oh, mo- move on. Maybe, yep. Probably not straight away, but yeah. you know, this plant will seed. be the catalyst. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, at least plant yeah. a seed. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Whenever you needed to wind down and relax on a stressful Sunday night, you could tune into the Slowdown Zone on Choice FM for a mood and a vibe that'll groove you. Jenny Francis is a respected and loved radio personality, not only for her therapeutic playlists, but for a fiercely self-governing music policy. Her passion, her voice and success deserves to be celebrated. This is her story. I'm Jenny Francis, also known as LOS, which is the acronym of Lady of Soul, and I'm a radio presenter. I was a bit of a chatterbox in school, definitely academic. I've got brains as well. I could have been cheeky. I mean, if I was told to do something that I didn't feel I wanted to do, I would tend to lash out. I'm not doing it, basically. I haven't really changed much since then, to be fair. (laughs) I actually believe it or not, did a little bit of modelling when I was younger. So I went to talk about modelling on a pirate station. It was Time Radio at the time. And he said, I really like your voice and whatever. Would you do some voiceovers for us? And I thought, yeah. And he was playing some music at the time, the guy. And I said to him, that song, 
I know who produced that. And I kept sort of going over, oh, that so-and-so produced that, so-and-so did that. And he went, do you know music? I said, yeah, I've been collecting music since I was 15 and a half, so I know a little bit about music. And he said, have you ever thought about being a radio DJ? I was like, no, not really. It's not so, I don't think my parents would allow me because I'm still living at home. I don't think they'd allow me because I was quite strict parents. Don't think they'd allow that. And he sort of said, well, if you ever think about, you know, wanting to do radio or whatever, let me know. I have to say, from the very first time I opened that microphone, that was it. What I do remember of my first show, if I think about that, was a lot of perverts. But I remember um, getting with them having to say they're going to get security. It was weird. You had like guys coming down. We want to see what she looks like. I think that was what kind of scared me to thinking, well, this is radio. Why do people need to know what you look like? What does she look like? We need to come down and see. And then it got to the point where I would be doing my show, sitting there doing, and I'd be surrounded because it was obviously a pirate station. It was in a little sort of a room. And I'd have maybe four or five different people that I didn't know and they would just be sitting there try, watching me and I'd be sitting there thinking could they just go away please and so I could do my show and they'd be like this and so it was really off-putting and then I actually said well I can't do this anymore someone's going to be there all the time and I had to get my boyfriend to come down to sit with me because it got ridiculous but I was nervous but more nervous about my surroundings more than anything else to be honest I found out they were doing auditions for a legal station that was coming on air which was Choice FM and I pursued that I thought wow they're saying that this station is going to be playing R&B. It's going to be basically giving us something that we never had before because at the time it was Capital or Pirate at the time. And I thought, wow, it's a great opportunity, so I'm going to try for it. What was really strange, I didn't think I'd get on to I got offered a job the week before Choice got back to me. Then they got back to me and I had to make a decision. Do you do this because it was nighttime or do you do that? So I decided to do both. I remember my initial show, I was given a playlist and I looked at it and I thought, what's that? And they said, that's the songs you have to play. I said, no, I don't want to play that. And I remember Patrick Berry looking at me and said, what did you just say? I said, I don't want to play that. Let me sort my own show. One of the first songs I ever played was Sister Rosa by the Neville Brothers. I remember. That was one of the first songs because I felt it was an empowering song and that was why I played And also, being a female, I don't think anyone expected my first track to be a hip-hop track and that was part of the reason why I played it. I never gave myself the name Lady of Soul. So whenever I'd leave work, if I was running really late, couldn't get home to come, I would come into work in a suit. And then I'd come in with the, back in those days, you'd have record boxes. So I'd come in in a suit with record boxes. So they go, oh, there's a lady coming with her box of soul. So it kind of stemmed from that. It was always, and also I didn't like swearing. And so I had this box where if you used profanity, you had to put a pound in the box. So whenever I was there, they'd say, oh, the ladies in the room, we can't swear, we can't swear. And over the years I think it was Patrick just kept saying oh lady of soul and the listeners got caught on to it they were calling me LOS and I was like what, what? lady of soul lady of soul and it kind of stemmed from there it was never a name that I gave to myself it kind of grew from there the slowdown zone for me was never a thought or it was it, you could say it was me putting doing with music what I felt 
inside of me. That sounds a bit strange if you don't understand, but I believe that for every emotion and every situation, there's a song for it. Um, because I'm a hopeless romantic at heart, the idea of playing love songs do something to me. It's very difficult to explain unless you have something that you're really passionate about. And for me, love songs, I'm they just do something. You listen to them back in those days. For me, I'd listen to it and think, God, I'd love to be in that much in love. Or, I, or you know, if you're going through heartache, you listen to a heartache track. Oh, that's how I deal with my heartache. So it was lyrical content for me. A lot of it was lyrical content. And the actual music behind it was more a bonus, but it was more about the lyrical content. Join every episode of the Black Magic Podcast by subscribing on the Acast and Apple Podcast apps. We're also on Stitcher, Player.fm and all good podcast platforms. All the women featured in the series will be featured on the Black Magic website where you can see videos and images of this year's Black Magic Awards. Do spread the word and share the magic. This podcast is produced by Unedited.